As some of you are probably racking your brain to remember what was that theme. If I said it was the theme to Lonely Planet's television series, then it would bring it all back as they uh, took you round the world on their Globe Trekker series television produced in the UK. For long-time travellers, travel books have been our mainstay, especially for Australians. The Lonely Planet was our Bible. Graham Kimlow is talking to Lonely Planet's Vice President Tom Hall about its 50 years producing travel guides, how vital they are to travellers and how they've changed the digital era. I'm speaking with Tom Hall. Tom is a Vice President with Lonely Planet. He also happens to be a writer and a contributor to the Lonely Planet Travel Guide series. Now, here in Australia, we have some strong affection for Lonely Planet, a bit like we do for Warney and and other Aussies who make it on the international scene. And we have interviewed Tony Wheeler on the show before. He, He and his wife Maureen started Lonely Planet, and it turns out it's 50 years ago this year. So, Tom... um, uh, uh, we don't have Tony there at the uh, at, at Lonely Planet anymore, uh, so we're talking to you, and I just want to welcome you to Travel Writers Radio. Thank you. It's uh, it's it's very nice to be here. Now, fifty years—that's a, a fabulous uh, uh, achievement. What are you doing to actually mark the fiftieth anniversary of your of the publishing venture? Well, I, I think first thing to say is that for for Lonely Planet, reaching fifty years is. A, a really interesting point in our history, but it, it's not something that we're sort of celebrating by looking backwards. It's something where we're taking it as an opportunity to to just keep moving forwards, as mm-hmm. I think we have done for 50 years since Tony and Maureen first went out on the road. It's always been about change. It's always been about serving the traveller, and that means continuing to evolve. Right. I think the most the most exciting thing that, that we've got to celebrate 50 years is total revamp of our iconic guides. I, I know we're going to go on to talk more about guidebooks, but mm. um, the, the things that travellers want from them, expect from them, continues to change, and we are revamping them completely to to meet those needs we've also got an anniversary edition of our annual best in travel publication um and hopefully a few more surprises as we go on into 2023 um one other thing that i would say is and i know tony's not here um we're we're so proud that he is um you know at being the amazing ambassador for Lonely Planet that he always has been and I know that he's uh, going to be um, giving uh, interviews and there's going to be profiles and features um, and we're just absolutely delighted that we can continue his work. Well, well that's great. I, I guess I should say that uh, when Tony sold the business, he sold it to the BBC and I think it's now moved on to a couple of other owners. Am I correct? Uh, that's right. Yes, um, Lonely Planet's now part of um, an organisation called Red Ventures, collection mm-hmm. of um, uh, collection of brands in America that includes the Point Sky, which is another travel brand that your, your listeners may have heard of, yeah. um, and lots of, lots of other um, companies besides. Okay, so it, it is exciting, but this is something that uh, that the eighteen and twenty year olds who left Australia, like Tony and Maureen did, uh, and headed off into the uh, the old dart usually was a starting point, and then maybe on the top deck two or three Europe. Uh, they always had this guide in their uh, in their backpack. Um, so you're still producing the 2023 version of that, but I guess you've also looked at what is happening in the world of digital uh, change, yeah? Absolutely, and um, if anybody 
has swung by LonelyPlanet.com recently, I think they will see that that we've got a pretty extensive offering there. And um, like a, a lot of um, uh, you know publishers, we recognise that that digital is going to play an enormous part in our future. The shift to having a phone as the principal reference source mm. and the principal mapping device when a lot of people are travelling. Um, it means that, that guidebooks aren't necessarily the key source for practical information. And I right. just emphasize practical information in that. I think that's a really significant thing. I think we all recognize that. It, it also means that there's a, an opportunity for publishers and for travel writers um, who, who now both can do and need to do other things. Yeah. So the, 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 the physical book is really important in that planning phase. It, it takes you from that point where you're dreaming about going somewhere and maybe not sure where you're actually going when you might be online or chatting to your friends to actually narrowing it down say i'm making a commitment to this place mm. plus as i'm sure all of your listeners will will, will will agree there are plenty of places in the world where mobile phone roaming charges are pretty significant yeah. Um, yeah. and the idea of having something that isn't going to run out of battery that can be trusted particularly somewhere where there's a language barrier or a cultural barrier a guidebook is still hugely useful in right. that context, but it's also in the context of digital and print together. Yeah, I, I understand that. That makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, does it, do you actually see a diminished sales of of uh, your books, or um, is it made up by the sales of the app? How how do you how do you measure the two? Is it fifty fifty, or what are you what are you finding? Well, I, I think like everybody in travel, we we look at the year before COVID as a really important sure. benchmark for mm. us. And like a lot of the, um, a lot of the world of travel generally, we are, you know, from a guidebook perspective, you know, we're more, we're, we're pretty much there. In some cases we're north of where we were there when it, mm. when it comes to print. Um, now that is, is fascinating because I think what it, what it testifies to is a, the, the, the robustness of the demand for travel, which I think everybody talks about through COVID as being there, um, but we've seen it really happen. And, and even the sort of pent up demand, you know, outperforming what anybody expected. But I think it also is testament to the, the way that people require information and the, and the things that they might use a print product for that also being something which is enduring. Now, right. that's obviously really nice for us and other publishers, but I think it's really important to see it in this context of, yes, that's true, but also the things that people expect from a publisher like Lonely Planet, they continue to change, whether that's about the information I was just talking about, but also the way in which travel is approached and the, and the type of person who you are looking to to give you that information. Right. Right. So just to sort of get to practicalities on this for a minute, if you've got the app on your phone, and presumably it, it ties into Google Maps uh, to give you accuracy as to where you are in the world, um, do you provide live updates on product or how, how um, up to date is the material that one can extract from the cloud, um, from, from Lonely Planet's cloud? Um, so the first thing to say is that at the moment, Lonely Planet um, doesn't have an app per se. Um, we we have the um, you know ebooks of our guides, and we have our online experience um, at our website. Right. The the, the site is clearly the place where people are coming and they're looking for um, you know I think firstly broad 
inspiration on destinations. So maybe when they come to us, they're thinking, oh, I'd like to go somewhere in South America, somewhere in Southeast Asia, somewhere in Europe, not sure where. And I just want to sort of snack on that. So inspire me completely. So at that point, we give people the ability to do two really simple things. Um, Make a profile and save information. So when you're clicking around, if you find an article which gives you 10 amazing things to do in Vietnam. You think, yeah. oh, I don't want to lose that. I want to keep that. Okay. That over time grows into a profile of information. Now, when, when people are actually out on the road, that's the, that, or in the, when they're in that process of building up to that point, that's the thing that we're building for right now. Um, right. So as the year goes on, I think we're going to have some surprises and some developments in that space, which is really speaking to this idea of, I would like something which is um, as comprehensive and helpful as the print product, which is on my phone, which is you know updated live and, as you say, hooked into some of those features that you're talking about. But I think it's also really important to just like note the, the role that a, a, a publisher and a provider of guidance would play in the overall information need. Mm. You know, we're, we're never going to be Google Maps. Um, and we're never going to be some of the other sources that are just so universal. Um, lots of people actually plan what they might do on a particular day using Instagram, for example. That's not a niche that we're going to fill because somebody else fills that niche. Yeah, sure. We actually see our opportunities elsewhere in that. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, if, if you used to buy the Cambodia guide, for example, is the information in that is uh, how much of a country can you fit on a phone? Um, or can, you know, can you store on your phone, or is it sort of um, how long's a piece of string? Um, it is a little bit how long's a piece of string because the 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 information that we provide for Cambodia today is by nature um, one that is uh, selective. It's curated. It's it's thoughtful for the needs of travellers today. I, th- I think the opportunity that's there is to to to, to look at that in a a variety of different ways and say okay how does that break down into into an itinerary where does lonely planet start with providing that itinerary yeah but at some point do we hand that over to the traveler and they can say all right that's fine but actually do you know what i'm really into i'm i'm really into craft beer or i'm really into beaches or i'm really into history and i want more of these things and i want to add them in and i want to sort of make my own thing um I don't think we know all the answers on that at the moment. Oh, well, and, no, that's and great. I can it, tell it's yeah. evolving. Um, I mean, from yeah. a travel writer's point of view, and you're one of them, um, mm. we're obviously interested to and, and pleased to hear that Lonely Planet is still commissioning writers because I speak to a few of them around the world, um, sure. and they're in all sorts of weird and wonderful places, let me tell you. I found a few of your of your team, um, sure. and it's great that you are still getting information like that and not relying on chat uh, uh, chat GPQ, RFT, whatever it's called, uh, to, to generate material, right or wrong? Um, contributors are absolutely everything. Mm. Um, and, you know, for I, I think one thing that, that's really interesting for us is lots of people who, um, you know, we speak to when we're doing our research, they, they, are, they have expectations that are twofold about our contributors um that increasingly they are they are based in their destinations that mm-hmm. that actually works from a lonely planet point of view because mm-hmm. it means that we're not talking about having somebody go to a place mm. once a year or once every two years we're talking about someone who's like always there and yeah. always on so if there's someone to check out you're not bound by that publishing cycle you can actually do that whenever you want to now we want to we want to move more and more towards that um the the, the, the second thing is that it's somebody who isn't just a writer. So 
you know, the world is very visual, whether we're talking about video, whether we're talking about images for, for TikTok, for social channels, etc. Um, so it, th there is a need for, for contributors who are very multimedia um, savvy and, yes. and, 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 and able to do that. Now, part of that comes from Lonely Planet. Um, and other publishers in terms of saying this is what we need and here are some tools that might help you get there part of that is actually um, you know finding these people and and I think as, as you know there are a lot of people out there who want to do this how can we take that aspiration how can we take the experience in maybe one or two of those areas and make those people into rounded contributors not just for Lonely Planet because I think that travel writers by nature have sort of portfolio careers we do. Uh, yeah. but for other people as well yeah, no, that, 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 that's great, Tom. And just finally, um, do you think the book will ever go away? Uh, could you imagine you'll be publishing another um, book of hard or soft cover in 50 years, another 50 years? I mean, the short answer is that I, we at Lonely Planet are committed to making travel guides, um, making them the best in the world. It's why we get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Um, I, I think the future is a combination of digital and print. Right. Um, in a similar way that I sit here with some of my music collection on vinyl and I buy new vinyl and some of it is on uh, digital and I stream some of that. Right. Um, books have lasted for thousands of years. I don't see why they shouldn't for another 50. Fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you, Tom, so much for uh, being on Travel Writers Radio and long may Lonely Planet thrive. Thanks so much for having me. That was Graham Kimlo talking to Tom Hall from Lonely Planet. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.